you heard right there in the sports flash. Uh, we'll open up the show uh, with volleyball. Yeah, how about that? Uh, Wisconsin volleyball goes down to Texas, sadly, as uh, they did could not get another bid for a national title. As uh, they got kind of spanked three to one in sets, uh, they would lose. And um, you know, Rowdy, you were talking about this right before the show started. A lot of NBA ties on the court last night. Uh, do you remember off the top of your head? If not, I have the the list in yeah. front of me. Uh, well, first off. Good season, the though, first, for the, the first set was pretty competitive. Obviously, Texas won. Second set, Wisconsin comes back and kind of handles Texas. And then the last two sets, sets three and four, yeah. Texas kicked their ass. Yeah, Wisconsin got handled. Asia O'Neal and Maddie Skinner were balling on Wisconsin. They were dominating them. Uh, speaking of those bloodlines, that's two of them. Yeah, Jermaine O'Neal and Brian Skinner. A lot of a lot of Buck, uh, we were talking connections about, as well. We were talking about Jermaine O'Neal the other day, Rowdy, at the Malice at the Palace. Yeah, <laughs> um, Calvin Booth's daughter plays for the uh, Wisconsin the Badgers. Carter Booth and Mike Shrek, Anna Shrek, who plays for or Shrek that Shrek. plays for the uh, Wisconsin Badgers. Dad also played in the NBA. Yeah, and I want to say there was like one more. Yeah, the the list I have is just that right there. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. There's one more. I can't remember the top of my head. But, but regardless, you're probably sitting there as like the casual fan that doesn't watch a ton of volleyball, and you know the the Badgers are in the Final Four, so you got it on TV. It's on ESPN. You're like, how does some woman become six foot nine? Well, basically. You gotta have a dad that plays in the NBA. That's like <laughs> six nine to seven seven one. Yeah, you can't be having any uh, six footers or less, or six two or six three. Or you need an NBA player. <laughs> it was like all of those uh, women that that were playing there that had like fathers with the NBA ties. Yeah, like the shortest dad was like six nine. <laughs> the tallest was like seven one. So Anna Anna Smrek is six nine. LeBron James is six nine. Uh, Carter Booth is 6'7". Jimmy Butler is 6'7". Sarah Franklin is 6'4". Jamal Murray is 6'4". Caroline Crawford is 6'3". Russell Westbrook is 6'3". And Devin Robinson is 6'2". Steph Curry is 6'2". The average height of the Badgers, 6'1". Yeah, they showed that graphic on the the game last night. And I think Devin Robinson for Wisconsin, she doesn't make it on that graphic, but I, I I remember watching a game. It was either last year or earlier this year. Cause I've watched probably three or four Badger uh, volleyball games oh, yeah. so far this year. I want to say her dad also played like D one basketball and he was like six, seven. <laughs> makes, so it's like, sense. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, there's some tall ladies out there, man. And if you uh, want to be a D one, well, you do have a shot if you're a little shorter, Rowdy, to be the libero. Like you got to be one hell of an athlete, though. If you're a li- even the libero, though, is not that short. Well, so sometimes they're shorter. So the libero, you gotta, you gotta get, you got a chance. Yeah. What was it? Um, that Emma Halter, who was the little blonde wearing the black jersey for Texas. Yeah. She looked like a small person out there. The libero. She was five, five. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty standard woman's height. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, I think that's, isn't that the average height of the woman? Yeah. Is like five, and I was, five, I was five, like six. going through looking at the, the Wisconsin women's, you know, roster. I think their shortest person was five, six. Yeah. Oh, here you go. The average height for a woman in the United States is five foot four. Uh, the average height has increased over time, says uh, Google for me. So five four, so five five would be a little taller. Uh, liberos, you have a shot if you're out there. 
And then we'll see. What's the average what's the average height for a man, you think, here? Five nine, five ten. Let's see here. Five nine. Well done, Rowdy. Five nine. The average height of a man. So yeah. It's different in the United States though, because I think that's worldwide. I think uh United States is a little taller. Uh yeah, I'd have to do a little more digging. But yeah, if you wanna if you want to um uh, get yourself a volleyball player out there at that level. <sighs> like Rowdy said, I think you need a guy from the NBA. <laughs> or at least from kind of Division One basketball. <laughs> because those are some tall folks out there. Uh, giants. Well, just watching that that um, matchup between Texas and, and Wisconsin. Now, Texas, with that win, they're looking to... Uh, They're looking to yeah. They're looking to defend their title from the year before, and they now get to play Nebraska on Sunday. So I'm gonna guess a lot of Badger fans will be rooting for Texas. I don't know. I saw some Badger fans on Facebook saying they can't. They hate. They hate Texas now, so they say go Nebraska. I don't know. I would rather root for Texas. Watching watching Texas play. I don't know how you could really hate that team. Again, I don't follow volleyball. Same. I just I've, know Nebraska's a bunch of turds. Yeah, I've watched a little bit of volleyball here in the last five years, but I don't ask me to spit off a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, same. All I know is Asia O'Neill, Jermaine O'Neill's daughter, and Maddie Skinner, <laughs> Brian Skinner's daughter, they absolutely dominated Wisconsin. And... Wisconsin's back row got their asses kicked, and Wisconsin could even serve well. Yeah, it was not a. Wisconsin did not look good. Um, I know Kelly Sheffield was talking about say one bad game does not define a season, make it a bad season. It was an overall great season. I mean, you get to the Final Four, you're really good, right? Um, but it's just sad that Wisconsin couldn't go there to take on Nebraska. But yeah, they did not look the greatest in that game against Texas last night. But still. I mean, they're doing it, doing it well. I mean, hell, go look at the Fieldhouse, right? That thing's packed every Badger game. Uh, they're they're making money and they're winning. So, well, they basically f- they showed another graphic where it was like what Wisconsin had done the last five years, and I want I want to say off the top of my head, their worst year in the last five was like to the Elite Eight. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, they were, they've been playing pretty good volleyball. On the Badger basketball side of things, we would love our worst year being an Elite Eight. Right now, you look at Elite Eight and be like, that would be one of our best years uh, as a recent memory. And speaking of Wisconsin and basketball, uh, no cover, Rowdy, last night. No cover. To be expected. Yeah, Wisconsin wins. That uh, was not a pretty first half. No, I mean, uh, Jacksonville State was, I wouldn't want to say they were in it, but they were there for a while. It was competitive. Yeah, they were only up by eight, Wisconsin was at halftime. Yeah, and then even if you look at the first five-ish minutes or so of the second half where Jacksonville State even kind of made a bit of a run, and I th- I think they got it to about, was it either two or four? They cut the lead. Yeah, that was a competitive basketball game for about 25 out of the 40 minutes. And yeah. then Wisconsin ran away and hid. Yeah. But. Wisconsin's 40 points in the paint, uh, Don. He would hope so, right, because it's lesser competition. Lesser 40, competition and lesser size. Yeah, 40 points in the paint. Big Steve Crowell leading the way in 19, getting it done. Um, so you know, Badgers get a win. Um uh, Seventy-five to sixty. It's you never. It was never in doubt, but there were some moments you're like, man, I wish Wisconsin would kind of run away with this it a little. It wasn't bit. the game that you were hoping for from the Wisconsin Badgers. Because what were we hoping for? You get up big in the first half, right? Uh-huh. You then in the second half play a ton of different guys. We already knew that they were going to play probably nine to eleven guys in general, but but playing more guys off the bench like a Connor Asijan. Asijan got four minutes. Isaac Lindsay got the same minutes as Connor Asijan. It was. Connor Asijan came in 
and a guy just went right by him and scored an easy bucket, <laughs> and then basically Connor Asijin was taken right back out. I got I got great guard comments about Asijin that we'll get to, and of course he had Isaac Lindsay Rowdy getting his one three point attempt up. I don't know who's got a greener light, him or Connor Asijin. But yeah, Asijin got well. I mean, what Asijin made that one bucket, that one three pointer. He only got a couple shots, and they were yeah. both they were both towards the end of the game. Yeah. So, but uh, that wasn't what we were looking for. No, we wanted to we, we wanted them to spank him and Asijin out there. Yeah, we wanted the Badgers to be up 15, 20 points in the first half. Then all of like the Marcus Ilver, Connor Asijin, McGee, like those guys that had been filling in here and there and getting some minutes to play consider about like, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes if, you know, things went Wisconsin's way, but it just really didn't, it really didn't go that way. Wisconsin just kind of, it was a whole hum win, but they didn't look overly impressive. No, but and then you go and look at what they did. I mean, they beat number three, then Marquette. You beat Michigan State, and you know, I know you got your ass handed to you by Arizona, but still, it was a successful trip. And they come out against Jacksonville State. It was I, I don't want to say going through the motions, but it was just like we can kind of do that and not have to worry about it because now Wisconsin doesn't play again until next Friday. Like that's a week from now when they take on Chicago State. So you got another week. You'll get a layover here for Wisconsin. Oh. So it's like, well, let's get this over with and relax for a while. Yeah, they get to play Chicago State a week from today, but then they get eleven days off after that before <laughs> they play Iowa. Yeah, uh, I hate this little stretch. Well, it's of the always like this because it's it. right around the holidays and it's right around exam time. Yeah, uh, just right when you get like in the swing of things, then they kind of halt on you. But, I mean, overall, no one really shot the ball well, especially from beyond the three-point arc for the Badgers. But it's nice to see Crowell and Wall play well. Yeah. I mean, they combined to go 14 for 23. They combined for 35 points, you know, 16 rebounds. But you expect that against a smaller, lesser ability Jacksonville state. I feel like we just continue to see the same old stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, the group that Wisconsin had before with like the Reavers and the Davisons and, and that type of that group. Yeah. It was like Reavers and some of the, the players, they did really well against lower competition but once they got up against better competition, it was the same old same. You were always expecting more. Like, I'm glad that Crowell and Wall, well, uh, Wall played well, but we continue to see them beat up on teams they should and not play to that ability against teams that are better. Well, I don't know. They beat up on Marquette. I mean, Wall was great against Marquette. Uh, so was uh, Stephen Crowell was really good against Marquette. And then they did it again against Michigan State, who, you know, is a different level than those guys. It's just the Arizona thing. I'm not going to bag on the bet. A lot of people thought they go zero and three in that stretch. He went two and one, and then just to go against the motions and take down Jacksonville State or whatever. Like I'm not, I'm not concerned about the Badgers over beating Jacksonville State. Are you? No, I'm just concerned that Crowell and Wall just look like the same players from the last oh. two years. They look good in the Marquette game, and Marquette was third in the country. Uh, Marquette's no schlaps. Uh Did Marquette? I know they played last night. Did they? Remember what their spread was last night? Rowdy was at 20, 24 and a half. They won eighty four to seventy nine. Over the University of St. Thomas. All right, boys. Uh, A.J. Dillon has a broken thumb. Um, and no, it wasn't from farming. Because he only does that virtually when he's uh, streaming his video games. Here's a Q&A. Can, and, real quick. Yeah, before, Rowdy. Yeah. How can that be a fun video game to play? I don't know. I've never played it, so I don't. I, I can't. Uh, I haven't either, but I, do. Like, I, I, I can't either, imagine but. that it's that fun. Like, he's driving. Yeah, combine. You know, yeah, but. Yeah. Take care of your farm. 
I well, just don't see <clears throat> farmers out there. Uh, like our guy, J.A. Krebs, great farmer, Feeding America. If you had or had downtime, as I know you got a bunch of, you know, you got family, kids, family, some kids, you know, obviously you're a farmer, so you really don't have much downtime. But if you had downtime, would you want to kick back, relax after a day of farming and play Farm Simulator? That's my, like, no. farmers out there, if you like video games, would you kick back and relax by, after a day of farming, play Farm Simulator? And what do you think of A.J. Dillon? playing farm simulator for his, his quote-unquote streaming video game job has pretty done playing, you know, running back for the Green Bay Packers. But uh, for the running back side of things, here's a Q&A on how he broke his right thumb on the final drive versus the Giants. Here you go. I said, here you go. Mm, one more time. Ready, go. Ready, and, and go. Go. Hey, how you feeling, buddy? <laughs> uh, you know me, man. <laughs> Sometimes for broken thumbs, they have to put go in there and put something in. Is that going to be required or not? Uh, you know, we're just taking it day by day, um, just trying to see, you know, how I'm feeling as it's going and stuff like that. Move forward. So it was on the last drive. Uh, you know, I got a hit. You know, just routine plays. Football, just you know, that's how it goes. Uh, got hit with a helmet, lined up the right way. It just aren't right enough, whatever. Um, and then we called another run play after that. <laughs> <laughs> More of on the decision if you can really play halfback with one healthy hand. The first thing is always like just making sure like I'm putting myself, you know, in the best position. Like if there is some hurt, not making it a bigger issue than it is down the road. And then the next question is, will I be able to go out there and? positively impact the team with me being out there. And so, you know, we still got some days left in the week. And, uh, you know, those questions I got to figure out myself. That's the biggest thing for me. You know, A.J. Dillon, when asked if he will be able to play with the broken thumb, given the answer of we'll see. Yeah. That, that'd be my thing. It's like, can he actually secure the football? Because I would rather him not play if he can't hold on to the football. Correct. Uh, He's only going to be a, a nuisance to the team and a negative if – He's fumbling it every time he gets hit. Yeah, so he's never missed due to injury. The only time he missed was because of COVID. You know, he was asked, how bad does he want to keep playing? What? If I can go, I can, I'm going to go. Like you said, you know, I've played through some stuff in the past couple of years or whatever that obviously I'm hurting, but, you know, I'm good enough to go. And uh, so, you know, I try to be out there if, if I can. And, uh, you know, that doesn't change right now. I'd say obviously your your lower extremities is what's most valuable for you for a running back. Where would you rank as a thumb rowdy as the most important body part for a running back in the NFL? Oh God, because AJ Dillon was asked about it. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't have a good answer for you. What does a thumb rank as the most important body part to play halfback in the NFL? I, I feel like it'd be high. Yeah, you, know, you got to grip the ball. Yeah, you got to be able to secure it. Yeah, otherwise you turn into Mister Fumbleitis. I think I'd also go knee and ankle are also pretty important because if you Agreed. don't have a knee or an ankle, you're it's it's hard to run the football. So It'd be like limping the football. As long as nobody touches you in the pros, you can just pull yourself along. <laughs> True. I mean, it's not college where once you're down, you're down. Yeah. Uh, here's AJ Dillon. It's more important for a running back than, say, a kicker. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that, definitely. <laughs> Uh, where does the thumb rank as the most important body part for a halfback? Here's AJ Dillon. It's up there, uh, especially when, you know, every other team you're going against is going to know it's hurt. Yeah. And then they're just going to, you know, go for it. How about this? Can he be a ball carrier if he is only left-handed? 
They're really getting deep as questions here. Uh, I mean, I practice and I run with both hands all the time. But, I mean, it's just, you know, not being able to use one is pretty limiting. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, you always want it to be on your outside arm. So yeah. depending on what sideline you're going to. So we're the limits to what sideline you're going we're to. We're only running him one side. <laughs> Hey, I once saw Michael Jordan shoot a free throw left-handed while closing his eyes, and he made it. Yeah, well. So A.J. Dillon could he have, was also he had two good hands. <laughs> he was also Michael Jordan, the guy oh, that's that everyone point. calls the GOAT, or I should say smart people call the GOAT. Yeah. But also, that's Michael Jordan versus A.J. Dillon, who we've seen trip himself in the backfield. I don't see, <laughs> I don't see Michael Jordan with quads like A.J. Dillon, though. One's, one's got good quads. The other one... I don't think A.J. Dillon has like a 44-inch vertical. <laughs> yeah, those quads might be weighing him down right there. Uh, let's see here. Does A.J. Dillon typically shift the ball from one hand to another during a play? I move the ball um, pretty much, you know, you move the ball, you're taught from a young age based on like how you're making the pocket. Normally the bottom hand takes it. That way you have less, less uh, availability with that. The up top hand is having nothing underneath it. So, you know, that's just kind of like running back 101. And then from there, you know, you don't switch in traffic. If you get to the open space, you move it to the outside hand. Um, but, you know, I try to pride myself in ball security. So. Uh, so there you go. There's A.J. Dillon. Packers relied on Dillon a lot more these past three weeks with Aaron Jones out with that knee injury. Dillon's, Dillon's biggest play in that stretch of uh, come in the passing game, too. He's had catches of 22, 14, and 35 yards in each of the three games. He's also been a lot better uh, with uh, Jones being out than when the season first started. Because remember, A.J. Dillon would just like, he's like, all right, I'm going to run two yards on this play, nothing more, nothing less. And then he'd get there and he'd just like fall down at two yards. Like, all right, there he goes. Uh, now, A.J. Dillon looking pretty good. So if we, he can't go, Rowdy, and Aaron Jones, who was limited in practice, it's going to be Kenyon Drake and Patrick Taylor getting the the healthy, quote-unquote, back. Like, obviously, you want you want more numbers than that. Are we going to see James Robinson sign last second again? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for a third back. But just in general, obviously, you want a healthy backfield. But if everything was even and everyone was healthy, are you really seeing that much of a difference between Patrick Taylor and AJ Dillon? I don't think yeah. there's. I don't think. There's I think that, Dillon can drive the pile a little farther. I don't think there's that big of a gap. And you'd I don't think to get out of that, bounds if you needed him to. It's not that noticeable of a drop off, in my opinion. I think D- AJ Dillon has had a couple of decent games here this year. I think he's had a handful of nice plays. But he's not moving the needle. No, he ha- he's he moving really the pile. Never- he moves the pile a little more. Yeah, maybe with those big old quads. I think he even gets more hype for moving piles and being a power back and all this because of how big his ass and hamstrings are. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, being the mayor of Dor- uh, Door County, which was kind of subsided lately. I think it goes with the lack of. Uh, uh, success of play. Like, I get it. I'll come this summer. It'll be up there again. <laughs> when people think of Patrick Taylor, you think of him not running out of bounds and, you know, mental mishaps. Yeah. But when you watch Patrick Taylor, I mean, he's a pretty steady third running back in the NFL. He's not flashy. He'll get you three to four yards. He's straight ahead. He's not going to be some game breaker that's running, you know, 70 yards for a touchdown. But he's steady. He's serviceable. He's an NFL caliber running back. He's not that far behind A.J. Dillon. Kinger, what's Eddie Lacy doing these days? Is he available? No. 
He's probably like 300 pounds. Yeah, I don't think he's... That's pretty soft. I think he's fluffy now. Uh, Aaron Jones, though. How about this? Look at Aaron Jones. Speaking of health and importance, Aaron Jones, how is the left knee doing uh, with that MCL? He did practice yesterday. Uh, I'm feeling a lot better. I uh, got to move around today in practice and um, making great strides. So uh, I'm going to take it day by day, but I feel I'm confident for some. Uh, I think he's playing. I think he's playing, I, I think too. Aaron Jones you can is hear playing. his voice. So, like all this Patrick Taylor, A.J. Dillon, Kenyon Drake, Sorry, Kenyon, but I think you're still stuck at third. <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones has asked the importance of making stops, starts, cuts before he can feel confident in returning to play on Sunday. Uh, I feel like that's a great a great sign. Like you said, that's, that's the little interest, intricacies to the game um, that really get hit a lot that uh, people may not see. It may look like they're just going one speed, but it's a lot of stop and start, a lot of cutting, putting their foot in the ground. So. And can he get back to 100% speed? Uh, I would say just being able to get I will. I mean, you're never really able to get to top speed after. But uh, just being able to run comfortably, picking my knees up. So, I mean, it sounds like he's going to do it. And he was also asked, is the same knee he suffered his last MCL with, uh, this cut his label as gold? Uh, yes. Yes and no. I mean, I've heard both MCOs so throughout college and now. I've heard both of them. So. Okay. Labeled as gold. All right. Mike Clemens really liked that one, I guess. Uh, a little more from AJ, or uh, sorry, uh, Aaron Jones here. Uh, did ask, did they know that he was not ready last Friday before heading to New York versus the Giants? I know Robbie was talking to him about this. Uh, it was still up in the air, just get out there, move around a little bit on Friday, and uh, let them make the make the call, make the judgment. But uh, so yeah, it wasn't. Oh, he's gonna play or he's not gonna play. It's just gonna let's see where he's at. Do you think Aaron Jones has say if he uh, can go or not? Like you're a veteran, you're one of the big pieces of the team. If like if you're iffy, iffy, if you're fifty fifty, can you be like, no, dude, I'm playing? I think he does, but I also think that Aaron Jones comes off as like you know the good guy where if he thinks he can play, but Matt Lafleur and Brad, Brian Gutekunst come up to him and they're like, hey. We need you 100%, and they kind of get in, in his ear. He's going to say, yep, coach, I'll do that. Yeah. Well, he was asked, as a veteran player, do you have say on whether or not you can return or not? Uh, definitely. Uh, you know, we always have uh, input on what's going on with our bodies. Uh, you know, I always want to be out there, but they're they're gonna, always going to look out for the best of us. So they're going to protect us from ourselves, when we, even when we don't want to be protected. So, uh, you know, I, I respect them for that. And, uh, I, I think that's knowing your personnel because you have guys who are opposite and then you have guys who you literally got to pull off the field. All right, so I think Aaron Jones is going to play on Sunday. More we hear from him, more we hear it in the voice, yeah. more is like the confident answers. Aaron Jones is going to be getting it going on Sunday. It also sounded like he was close to playing Monday night. Yeah. Which, if he was close then, you're going to save him so that you can bring him back on a normal week. You know, you're not going to bring him back on a short week of rest just to say, oh, dude's coming off of an MCL sprain. Let's play him on Monday night and then bring him back after playing his first game in months in six days. You're not going to do that. No. So there you go. Um, Packers still favored by three and a half. Really, yep. I think is what it was. But who we value just a little more because he gives us value. Our guy, Dave Essler, Game of the Stars. David. Good morning. Evo, good morning. What's happening, well, brother? I, I, I give you value. I like that. <laughs> you are the sunshine in my dark and dreary life, David. 
Yeah, it's probably uh, thanks for that because I'm I'm not the sunshine in my client's dark and dreary life right now. Oh, oh, oh. Well, how about this? Let's uh, turn it around then. Let's be the beam of sunshine today, David. Be, I've, been, I've, been, I've been saying that every day this week. <laughs> Shine down some amazing bowl knowledge on us, then. Give us a little ray of sunshine, baby. Um, bowl knowledge. Well. Uh, Miami and App State under tomorrow. We love that one. It's down to 42 and a half. There's a few 43s left, but um, if you look at if you look at that uh, game, you got uh, too many people out for for uh, for App State. I mean, their edge rushers out. I mean, all their wide receivers are out. Uh, Miami starting quarterbacks out. I have you know uh, Blaine Gabbert's son or little brother or something is, is out. So uh, <laughs> Could be Miami's, Miami, Miami's quarterback is uh, Henry Essen. He's attempted five passes in his life. So I'm, I'm not so sure they're going to be able to score either. Jeez, mm. uh, Dave. All right. Now, having, having, having said that with my luck, there'll be three defensive touchdowns no, and a kick return. No, we don't manifest that. We don't put that out in the universe. No, no, no. Yeah. Rowdy is. Yeah. No, the problem, Dave, is you're just missing WNBA. Ooh, that is true. You are going <laughs> to wait and till the, spring. And the, and the USFL, I was like 13 and one in the USFL. So. Oh, you were like um, you were like yeah. that too in the WNBA. You were unconscious. Yeah, I should have quit while I was ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you keep on soldiering on, Dave. Uh, you and Rowdy got the you know winners take out you know, with bowl season starting, Dave. How how hard is it to? to get a grasp on some of this with players sitting out and now some people are getting paid NIL money to come play a game. Like how is this harder or easier to make money on? I think it's harder because, you know, I mean, it's all pretty public. I mean, there's some websites that list it all, but you know, it's still fluid. There was a couple of guys yesterday that opted out that I didn't see coming. So I think, you know, you really kind of got to work back. You got to take these early bowl games where, where, you know, most of them have most of their players playing or the late ones that matter because everybody's going to be playing. But then what generally happens is year after year, you see these these opt-outs and whatnot, and then you see the point spread moving. Oftentimes it's an overreaction. I mean, you know, you can just look down the look down the, 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 the odds and you can almost tell without looking who's got guys out. But if you just follow all those, you probably won't make money hmm. because some of these teams, especially with the, the teams that are sort of, sort of, you know, I don't want to say power five, but sort of mid to mid to better teams, you know, that they, they have decent backups, yeah. you know, app state doesn't, for example, if they're missing a couple guys, well, they're SOL, but I, I think you just got to be careful. You really do. I mean, uh, there's what 41 or 44 bowl games. I told Rowdy yesterday. I'll I'll probably bet 10 that I really really like, and then I'll probably bet 10 that well, you know, it's on TV and I am a little bit of a degenerate, and I'll probably not even bet 20 of them. It's you know, it's it's too volatile. Rowdy, what's the one you really really like? You said you love Jacksonville State. It was New Orleans Bowl. That's probably my favorite for the opening week. Well, so are you gonna quit? After the opening week? <laughs> Is he going to quit? Stop it, Dave. He's got a whole notepad full of chicken scratch for every single bowl game. My guy don't quit. He just grinds harder. Dave, NFL, what do you got? How about Packers, Buccaneers? What are you thinking here? Um, you know, um, I'll tell you what. Tell me, baby. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a Packers fan this week. Mm, love it. You want me to send you a G? I'll send you a G string. G, G string. 
Um, I have a couple, thanks. All right, good. Save them. <laughs> good. Um, you know, it almost looks too easy, but, I mean, like, neither team's going to be able to run the ball. You had a caller a little bit ago, like, 28-24. I mean, I can totally see that. I, I do kind of like the over a little bit. I mean, you know, Green Bay can't run no matter who's back there, and, 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 and Tampa Bay stops the run. Uh, so uh, I think it's going to come down to throwing the ball, and the Bucks' pass defense is pretty bad. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and jump on the uh, go pack go bandwagon, and I think it'll be over again. Give me a, give me say it one more time for me, just because I, I got a little goosebumps. Give me a go having, pack go. Having, having said that, go pack go with the knowledge with the knowledge of my last week or so of don't of bats do and don't, don't. post but no cigar. You, you know you may want to take Tampa Bay in the under. It's kind of an emotional hedge for you guys. You take the Bucks and then. And and they win, and you make a little money. They lose, and oh, my Packers won. That's definitely not off the table. Can't in good conscience bet against the Packers, Dave. It's just my my DNA won't allow it. What else in the NFL do you got, David, for us? Um, I think my favorite bet of the week is the Rams team total over. Um, I think you can still find a twenty-eight ish, but uh, the Washington defense. I mean, the Rams kind of got it together on offense lately, and I hope I'm not jumping on the ship a little too late, but, uh, you know, the, the Washington defense is last in points per game allowed. And, and the last few games are, they're shoot, they're giving up over 40. Uh, so I, I think, I don't know. And, you know, Washington's kind of playing off the string. They're four and nine. Yeah. They, they could stink. end up. Yeah. I mean, they could kind of end up four and 13 if you look at their schedule. So, you know, what kind of motivation are you going to get there? Um, I, I think the Rams score 28 points and then some, uh, Dave, uh, I think last week we did a little a dealer's choice. If you wanted to dabble in NCAA basketball, if you want to dabble in some NBA, anything off of the hardwood that when you throw out there into the ether? A dabble? Is it, oh, so, so that would be like Roddy, like it only counts if I win. Sure, yeah. yeah. Dabble away, yeah. baby. Dabble. Um, little dabble, do uh, you? You want, you want today? Um, I'll tell you what. I will take Connecticut and Gonzaga under 150 and a half points. You got um, it. I think that, I think the pace of that game will would dictate otherwise, but I think that both teams play entirely entirely too much defense, especially Connecticut. So you know, I like Connecticut to beat Gonzaga, and I like the game to stay under. Okay. Hey, Dave, before I let you go, I'm looking at – do you have anything else already? Nope. Before I let you go, Dave, I'm looking at uh, your Twitter account, Dave underscore Essler. E S S L E R. Yeah. Um, what 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 is this? Are you are you kind of subtweeting someone here? Saying and yeah. doing are in fact mutually exclusive on Twitter. Thank yeah. the Almighty for yeah, screenshots. I am. Actually. What, what's going on here? Can you give us a little peek inside the mind of Dave Essler? If you're you're, well, you're yeah, subtweeting there's, here, there's 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 people that do what I do that will talk about um, not uh, not like releasing games that moved even a half a point off of what what they released the number at and, 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 you know, I see them do that hmm. quite a bit. Then there's other people that, you know, we can, we can bet props, you know, I bet uh, an Austin Eagler prop and we get to rate them, you know, one, two or three in terms of our, how, how much we like them. And props should always be one because you, you know, props are, you know, prop bets are limited. You can't get a lot of money down on them. And I know some people that used to whine and bitch about, other people that would make three-star prop bets, you know, they're easy to win, mm. but they shouldn't be treated the same as a three-star Packers over bet. And now 
they're making three star prop bets. It's like, you know, <laughs> what the what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's all about it's all about making yourself look good. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's online, Dave. Just wait till you get on Instagram. A lot of people look good on there. I know, I know. I figure I got about two more years I gotta put up with this. Dave, crap. go get a BBL, a Brazilian butt lift, get an Instagram account and start posting your ass online. You'll get followers <laughs> like crazy, dude. With that with that Packers um, G string. You look beautiful. No, I've put on some weight, so I don't think I would. But well, even better know, for the BBL. I guess, I, you know, I, it'll probably make me look better. You're probably right. Yeah, just don't, just don't uh, put your face in it. Just, just you know, waist down. It'll be good. No, well, yeah, I'm gonna start sunning my balls in January. I gotta do something. <laughs> hey, it's like 40 degrees here, Dave. I've been sunning my balls all freaking December so far. It feels good. It's rejuvenating. Uh, High tea. I'll try. I'll try anything. <laughs> Dave, have a good weekend, man. You going golfing at all? Uh, probably not. Jeez. It's, it's too cold. Spoil season. Spoil season. I get it. You got to watch some bowl games. Well, Dave. Yeah. If it, if it gets below 65, I don't want to play. You will see. Dave, we love you, baby. Have yeah. a good weekend and happy happy gambling. You're a little ray of sunshine. Uh, you. Guys too, go, go Pack. I right, see you, Dave. I love that. Go Pack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New Razor's Edge coming at 850, but also Winner's Take dropped yesterday afternoon. We did have two bets on the Raiders Chargers Thursday night football. Two and zero. Oh, Dave hit his prop, and I hit the uh, Raiders. That's cash, cash, baby, cashing out. All right, Badgers came back to uh, the Cole Center last night. Got a little uh, win. Not the most convincing of wins. Just a little whole hum. Get it done. Wait till next Friday because they don't play again until next Friday against Chicago State, beating uh, Jacksonville State last night. And Rowdy, we were talking with Zach Halpern, the sports director, about this. Uh, Connor Asijan. Greg Gard kind of finally talking about Connor Asijan and his uh, playing or maybe kind of lack thereof. Yeah, we thought that he would get more run in last night's game against a lesser opponent in Jacksonville State where he would finally get in, you know, maybe play 15, 20 minutes, get five, seven, eight, whatever shots up, but get a number of shots up, right? Yeah. No. Didn't happen. He played four minutes. He got two shots up. Yeah, he so- didn't hit one. He did. He did hit a bucket. Uh, Gardo put a season into the game with 13 minutes to play in the second half. And the crowd is like cheering for it. Like, hell yeah, let's go. And then immediately got blown off the dribble for a layup. A season did. And then guess what happened? He got yanked. He came in at 1350, got pulled at 1325 for Isaac Lindsay, the pride of Mineral Point. And the crowd booed when they pulled the season. Booed him. Okay. Gardo, after the game, was talking about it. Well, think about if you're Connor Asijin. <laughs> One, I think it's got to feel nice that the the crowd has your back, right? Yeah. It seems like the student population and the Wisconsin fan base love <laughs> Connor Asijin. They want the guy to be good. But from his point of view, man, I just got in and I just got pulled for Isaac Lindsay. The pride of Mineral Point. Yikes, where am I at? Well, here's uh, where he's at. Gardo, after the game, on a season, quote, a year ago he played on a team that was okay. We're a much better team now. We have more depth. You have to grow your game because they have all the freshman film on you when you bang threes. We know he can do it, but it's not one of those or one of these things we can afford to let him play through. The stakes are too high. Gregory Guard. Doesn't that sound a little different from Greg Guard 
earlier in December, mm-hmm. like two weeks ago, when he was talking about, ah, don't worry about it. Connor's Connor hasn't really been playing because it's the back injury. We're gonna get him worked in, and we're gonna we're gonna figure out you know his minutes moving forward. That felt two weeks ago. It felt more positive that Connor Asijin was not playing due to a back injury, and they were gonna work him in and get him feeling better, and it was just gonna be a matter of time. Those comments sounds like, dude. All you do is shoot the basketball. <laughs> Our team's better. There's not really a spot for you. Yeah, like he came off the bench last year. He had immediate like offense, right? But you know, not much defense. He was exciting, and then about halfway through the season, towards the end, he wasn't really making the shots that much either. And now, to Carlos' point, the Badgers last year. I mean, they weren't the great. They were okay. Well, they're a much better team now. I see this both ways. I think. I get what you're saying and Greg Gard saying like this team is deeper. This team does have more talent. This team does have more scores than it did last year. But if I'm Connor Asijin and I'm sitting there going, yeah, maybe I did hurt my back and I lost minutes and I wasn't playing as well. We all know just in general that he's not the best pure athlete, more of a shooter, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about how his defense has struggled and, that comes with being less athletic than the guy that you're trying to match up with. Yeah. And if you do have a back injury, that can be a little, you know, dis disabling, you no know what I mean? Like hurt this, back. this where he's even less athletic and maybe more stiff and it's sore, blah, 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 yeah. where he's even worse than when he's thrown out there. So I can, I can see that. But then when you say you're healthy and you say you feel good and you're ready to play and you're re- getting replaced by Isaac Lindsay, that's a e yikes. Um, one more from Gardo on a siege and uh, holding him accountable is the best thing we can do as coaches and the man that you have to guard. He is in a funk right now. He's better than he was two or three weeks ago. He understands it. He has to be more physical defensively. Doesn't it feel like getting replaced by Isaac Lindsay and really only playing less than five minutes. If this continues to be a pattern here, we'll just say for the next few weeks, that feels like a pattern that could 100% force a siege into, or not force him, but make a siege in transfer. Our guy Dougie on Twitch says Connor is gone after this year. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the only thing that I can say I, that I truly believe that Isaac Lindsay is better at on a basketball court than Connor Asijin would be being more athletic and therefore probably playing better defense. That's the only thing I could give him. I don't even know about the defense part, but being more purely athletic. Who's got who's got the quicker pull in the trigger for shooting a three? Lindsay or a Seijin? I think Lindsay does. Oh, for sure. He, he gets and he's like, all right, I got my one minute. It's, Touches it, it, it's going up. It's go time, baby. I got the greenest light in America. Give me the rock. It's going up. And they do. <laughs> but, yeah. but that's that's it. That's the only thing I could give him is probably a little bit more athletic, which maybe makes him slightly better at defense. That's still TBD. But that's where I'm saying if you're Connor Asijin and you're getting replaced by someone like that, what are you thinking? F this. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, I'm like, you got to understand your game. Like if you're getting blown off the ball. Like he was, you know, last night he got pulled right away for a layup. Your defense is struggling. Your offense is struggling a little bit. Like, you know. It does feel weird, though, talking about, you know, Connor Asijin falling out of favor with Wisconsin, especially with what he did last year, year. Especially like halfway through the season. And the fact that he forced himself into the starting lineup. And I get it. It's a different team. New players. 
But you're telling me a guy that came in as a true freshman that was a big-time shooter and scorer in the state of Indiana that forced his way into the starting lineup towards the middle of the season is going to fall out of favor, and it's going to be guys like <clears throat> Kamari McGee is playing more? <laughs> like, you know, Max Klesmet continues to play more, even though he's kind of struggled this year. Yeah. I mean, compared to how good the team is this year compared to the team last year. Isaac, though. Yeah, but Isaac Lindsay is playing <laughs> as much or more than him. Like it's the guys that he has fallen out of favor with and is now behind yeah. that I would be like if well, defensively he's a liability and his shots not going in. Well, I, I understand like he would be like, behind why would you play him? AJ Store and Chucky Hepburn and you know some of the first guys off the bench. I'm not going to play you now just because you were good for a couple of games last year though. You know, but I'm saying in his mind the fact that he was falling this far down. Yeah. You, you can see why it, there might, might be a transfer. transfer. And I, I where's transfer to? UW Green Bay? <laughs> no, somewhere in Ohio. He play like I don't know. He's from Indiana. Maybe play at like yeah, Indiana Ball I mean, State. There you go. Ball, go back to Ball State Hard University. Our guy Connor Seijin. Well, it's you know it was, it was a lot of he was exciting last year, all things considered. And now you're like, well, this team actually itself is more exciting without him. So was I guess. Uh, but yeah, I kind of see the. There's a weird faction of people, too, that want to see him transfer, want to see him get out of here, like the counter Siegen fan club. I could see him transferring. Would it be a huge loss? Right now, it's not looking like it. Yeah, right. Well, they don't, they're not using him. Yeah. So you can't really say it's a loss when the guy's really not playing. Yeah. And when he has played, he's really not playing to the level that he did before. He's not shooting the ball the way he did last year. So... This version of Connor and Siegen? No, it's not. A, they they really wouldn't be losing anything. Yep. Um, Badgers don't play again until next Friday. Uh, Chicago State to the Kohl Center. We got Razor's Edge coming up. Line one, good morning. Good morning, boys. Tim from Sparta here. Tim, what's going on, man? Well, I just want to say that it's nice to hear Vagabond John finally quit defending an indefensible position. <laughs> he, he, he kind of he was, was def- still he, trying. He was still, def- he's, he was still, yeah, he's still there. He's hanging on. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think the wall is finally cracking. Um, I won. I won fifty bucks against my Giants fan friend from college, and that's fifty years ago. Because he claimed there was no way that the Giants were going to win. And I said, with our defensive coordinator calling the plays, we're going to lose this game. So, so I, got, I got 50 bucks and a... Uh, uh, Both fans of their teams <laughs> doubting their fan or their teams, and you, you became richer because of it. Smart man. Well, you know, it, I, I, I want Green Bay to win every game. Yeah, you're just and a smart man. It just... You know, I've been such a long-time fan, and I've seen when they really suck. But I just knew that they weren't going to win this game because Joe Barry had too many – there was too many good games in a row or passable games. But they never should have won the the Chargers game. I mean, how many many, uh, touchdown passes did they have dropped? Three? Well, yeah, Keenan Allen dropped one, and then that Johnston guy at the end dropped uh, what would have been a touchdown pass. But many are saying that uh, Joe Barry was – Blowing so hard from the sideline that it causes the wind to you know make him drop that. God only knows. But anyway, I got I got one to leave you with, yeah, boys. Yeah. Um, 
and I have great hopes for this weekend. So I have money actually down on Green Bay. Same. So there once was a defensive coordinator for the pack that even Vagabond John finally called a hack. His defensive calls of bend but don't break was sure to make a third-string practice quarterback look great. <laughs> Tim, you are you're gonna write your own book of these, dude. You are a goldmine of limericks. I love it, dude. You are you're a treasure. That is awesome, Tim. Oh, by the way, Tim, I don't think you hear it, WKTY. Um, but uh here in the WOZN Madison area, I did make a promo out of your last one. Rowdy saved it, I made a promo out of it. So you are running here in the Madison area with your uh your last limerick. Well done. Thanks, boys. Yeah, have, you a, good have a great weekend. See you, Tim. Go pack go. Go pack go. Look at that. That's yeah, if, if if Tim comes up with enough of them, we can we can print it as like a little limerick book. Yeah, you know, like those old books you had to read, like in middle school, where it was just a book of poems. Yeah, we could have one of those, but it would be Tim and Sparta's limericks, and we could put it on display right next to Rob Reichel's "Nobody's Underdog," Mike McCarthy. Yeah, one of Rob's many books. I bet you uh, Tim's would sell a little more than Rob's Mike McCarthy book, possibly. Tim, well done, dude. You are you're awesome. And yeah, you can find those little limerick books in those like little mom and pop like like knickknack stores. Tim, you got a future of uh, selling little limerick books, dude. Really a niche market of Packer fans. Yeah, very <laughs> niche over the line market. <laughs> we have not talked to this cat in a minute. I've been missing him like the desert misses the rain. Our guy Dan at Best Fight Picks on Twitter, uh, Half the Battle Podcast. Dan, what's been up, brother? How we living? What's new? Uh, we're living amazing. You know, y'all's intro gets me so pumped, especially that song with the cowbell. I mean, I'd say it needs more cowbell, but it has just the right amount. Um, it's good to be on here, gentlemen. Oh, who doesn't love a little cowbell, Dan? I mean, it goes back to, you know, Christopher Watkins with the Blue Oyster Cult back in the SNL skit, you know? Who needs more cowbell? Uh, Dan, catch us up on life, broski. What else uh, What else have you been doing in the ATL? Have you been sad that you guys didn't get Shohei Otani? We didn't get a World Series. We didn't get Shohei Otani. You know, but hey, there's no room to be negative, gentlemen. We got a big fight card tomorrow. We got Christmas, what, next week or in two weeks? Yeah, and, uh, crazy. There's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, we got uh, UFC two six or two ninety six coming up here. Before we get to that, Dan, um, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? It's been a minute. Yeah, you know, listen, I like deli turkey more than I like you know the <laughs> traditional Thanksgiving turkey. So what I do is. I get this cut of Brazilian steak called picanha. I make it medium rare, and Ooh. that's the meat we eat for Thanksgiving. Have to, you know, we have we have the mac and cheese on the side, oh, yeah. and uh, yeah, it went very well. You know, every week is Thanksgiving around here. Dan, you're just adding to the list of people with. I guess I never realized so many people didn't like Thanksgiving food. We had people it. talking about it. what was it? Um, Steph or uh, surf and turf pasta. Yeah. Now cold cuts. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening to Thanksgiving? You're not a turkey guy, eh? Only only the slices from the deli, huh? Yeah, I mean, listen, a good little turkey sandwich from the deli that can't hurt anybody. <laughs> that never hurt anybody. But it's something about that Thanksgiving turkey. Don't get me wrong. When it's done right, it's done right. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if I told you right now, you want some Brazilian steak, medium yeah, rare, I, I, or you want a Thanksgiving turkey, what are you telling me? I do the steak, like like ten out of ten times for sure. I still need to well, you, to try Brazilian steak. Uh, just yeah. Is yeah, the, isn't the cow well. isn't the cow the most perfect animal to ever exist? I mean, it, yeah, it, it, us, it's amazing. They give us milk. 
They give us meat. Yeah, you get cheese out of the milk. I mean, you're essentially a vegetarian when you eat cow anyways because it eats all the vegetables for you. Like, it's beautiful, dude. Like, it, like you, it's everything. It's got the most nutrients. It makes you big and strong. You can whoop some ass, you know. You're doing a little jujitsu or else you're just street fighting. It's amazing, Dan. Uh, what do you got going for Christmas? What, are, are, what kind of food do you dabble there? More Brazilian steak? Uh, 100%, man. I mean, listen, this, the thing about Brazilian steak is it's compatible for any holiday. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what religion you are it doesn't matter. What race you are, it's uh, all inclusive. It's transcends. It's transcendence. You know, with steak, I couldn't agree more. Then, <laughs> Rowdy, the main card for UFC two ninety six. Yeah, we got a couple of uh, title fights here. Leon Edwards taking on Colby Covington. Are you surprised that Leon Edwards is the favorite here? No, I mean, he beat Kamaru Usman twice. He's on an insane run. Colby Covington hasn't beat anybody that's currently ranked. Um, so it's just one of those things where, you know, Leon has a lot of momentum going, uh, you know, in his favor. But Colby Covington, always a tough out, brings a specific stylistic challenge that you won't see anywhere else. So this is a good test for Leon. Could you explain it? Think- Could you explain Colby, Colby Covington to everyone, like the, the stylistic challenge? Because I think a lot of people know him just because he, you know, of his mouth. Could you explain it more? Yeah, look, he is a loud mouth, 100%. Um, he definitely crosses the line. But at the end of the day, this is the job where someone can cross the line and then you can smack him in the face for it. So, <laughs> um, you know, when people are saying that, oh, he took it too far, you know, I don't disagree that, that he took it too far, but um, I, the same way I don't have a problem with these guys, you know, talking all kinds of trash, I also don't have a problem if they get smacked uh, at a random time on a random street, you know? So <laughs> um, I, I think it all is fair and love and war. But, yeah, to answer your question, man, I'm glad you asked. What makes Colby Covington unique is he's the kind of guy that will attempt, like, 20 takedowns in a fight. And that might sound like, Oh, that's not a big deal. But think about it this way. You know, you might stuff the first five, but then this guy's still trying for that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. And he doesn't get discouraged when his takedowns get stuffed. So it's almost like a mental game uh, more than it is a skill game when you're fighting a guy like Colby. So it's going to be interesting to see how Leon, uh, you know, arises to this challenge. And I think another thing for people that maybe haven't done takedowns, the more you do over and over, especially against someone trying to resist you, he's got an incredible gas tank. Yeah, no doubt about it. And like I said, it's a mental game because when you look at it from a wrestler's perspective, right? Like uh, if you're if you're shooting constant takedowns on someone and they're getting stuffed, it's easy to get discouraged and be like, man, what's it going to take to take this guy down? But Colby is the opposite. He puts the kind of mental game on his opponents where it's like, man, what's it going to take to stop this guy from shooting on me? Because he doesn't get discouraged if you stuff the first few. He's going to keep shooting. So that's what makes him an interesting problem. Rowdy, what else we got looking at here, brother? Uh, We got another title fight here. We have Alexander Pantasia versus Brandon Royval. I know that this one's a little bit lesser for me. I know Brandon Royval has been somewhat up there in Pantasia just took the belt somewhat recently, but these are lesser known fighters for me. Dude, this is a way better fight than the main event. First of all, like, uh, I got to tell y'all that are somewhat casuals. You have to watch this Pantoja versus Roy ball fight because oftentimes when we talk about the two most exciting fighters in the division, they're usually not the top 
you know, number one and number two guy in the division. It's usually, uh, you know, some journeyman, but they always put on exciting fights, so we enjoy watching them. But here, these guys like to brawl. These guys like to be exciting. They like to be flashy. They like to put on the kind of fights the fans like to see, but they're the champion and number one contender. That's something you don't often see. The most entertaining guys are the best guys in the division, and that's the case here. So this might actually be a prelude to World War Three. Nope. Ooh. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll Maybe we should put that then. one on hold then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, what are you yeah, lining up here? Not. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, not until after this fight happens, though, gentlemen. <laughs> Dan, I was looking at your Twitter account at Best Fight Picks, um, and I remember you talking about this guy before, Thug Nasty. You find a little value in Thug Nasty? Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you why. Listen, man, we were just talking about this exact topic with Colby Covington, how we like to bet on these guys that are going to relentlessly attempt takedown after takedown after takedown. The first few might get stuffed. But that seventh, eighth, and ninth will not, and he will be there to attempt that. And he's taking on a guy in Josh Emmett, who at one point, guys, had the most knockdowns in featherweight history. So we know he's a very heavy hitter. We know power is the last thing to go. But we also know this is Josh Emmett's retirement fight. We know he's coming off two severe beatings this year alone, <laughs> gentlemen. And, I mean... When you got a guy that's 11 years younger that pushes the kind of pace he does up against the guy in his retirement fight, you know, these are the kind of angles we play long term. And uh, this is the kind of angle we're going to play Saturday night live on pay-per-view. I love the name Thug Nasty. Um, so, Dan, I'd say like a year to two years ago, uh, this guy was all over like Instagram reels, all over like the Facebook reels. He, he was taking social media by storm just because of the accent alone. Patty the Batty Pimblet. Patty the Batty taking on Tony Ferguson. What do you think here for Patty versus Tony? Is this another retirement fight? Please tell me it is. Oh, it sure is. I mean, in terms of UFC career, it is. But Tony's the kind of crazy guy that he'll lose seven fights in a row and he'll convince himself that he's just getting started. So I would not be surprised if you see him like on a regional show and it becomes like a very sad story, you know, <laughs> and that's just a fight game sometimes. Cause not everyone knows when to say when, and Tony's one of those guys who, you know, he's completely delusional and he was delusional in his prime too. Gentlemen, I don't know if you guys remember some of the stories about him, like finding ghosts in his house and guys, this stuff was like five, six years ago. Really? And now, you know, we're reaching 40 years old. We're reaching a seven fight losing streak. I mean, yeah, Patty might not be that great, but you don't have to be that great to beat this version of Tony Ferguson. Uh, so, and people talking about, oh, but Patty, he, he robbed Jared Gordon in his last fight and all this and that. Guys, that's irrelevant. Jared Gordon would whoop Tony Ferguson. So, yeah, I, I got Patty Pimblett here for sure. What's, what's the take on Patty Pimblett? Like, are, are people just kind of fall in love with him because he's, you know, got the accent? He's like, you know, kind of like a social media star. Like, is he actually like the real deal? Because I got caught up in him too. Because nah. I, I love his press conferences; they're hilarious to me. Oh, he's hilarious! Like, um, you know, I made a comment on my show half the battle. Who would you rather uh, smoke a fatty with, <laughs> Patty Pimblett or Tony Ferguson? Patty Pimblett all day. Yeah, bro. for sure. People were com are coming at me, but. But Tony's a legend. Like, bro, I ain't trying to deal with a guy that's trying to find ghosts in his house. I'd rather, you know, be with Patty, who's making you laugh the entire time. But, no, he's when you talk about the real deal, it just comes down to what do you mean? Do you mean future champion? Because absolutely not. Do you mean future top five guy? Absolutely not. But by real deal, do you mean entertaining fighter? Yeah, that's so entertaining, yeah. That gets you hyped? Yes. He, okay. he is that guy. Yeah. And then we got our last fight on the main card we haven't talked about yet. We have Chevcat versus Wonderboy, Stephen Thompson. 
Uh, I can't wait to see Shevcat fight. Th- this is really, you want to talk about future champions? There's one. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, when you talk about a collision course for the belt, you talk about Shafkat versus Bilal Muhammad. One of those guys is going to be the welterweight champion this time next year. And basically what's happening here with this fight with Wonderboy. Wonderboy, again, it's been a constant theme on this card, guys. He's, you know, 40 years old, maybe not in his retirement fight, but pretty darn close. And Shafkat is the guy that, you know, people are saying he's him. You know, he's the guy that people think are, you know, is going to be a future world champion. And, Steven Wonderboy Thompson said for the longest time, I don't want this fight. I only want to fight strikers, this and that. He's been avoiding this fight. But a couple months ago, Steven Wonderboy Thompson was supposed to fight this guy, Michelle Pereira. Michelle Pereira goes out there. He misses weight by three pounds. So Steven Wonderboy Thompson doesn't take the fight, right? Which, you know, a lot of us, we understand, okay, the guy missed weight. That's not your fault. But we also understand that some of the real BMF, baddest mother, you know what? Those guys would take the fight. They don't care about you missed weight. They don't care about, oh, you talked a little trash. These guys are here to fight, right? So when Wonderboy didn't accept that fight, oh, you don't want to take that fight? Okay. Well, here's Shafkat Rachmanov. Here's the guy that you publicly said you wanted no part of. So you don't want to take the Michelle Pereira fight? No big deal. Here's Shafkat Rachmanov. And uh, here's the retirement of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, too. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Dan, uh, find him on Twitter. At uh, Best Fight Picks, Half the Battle is Podcast. Any any other ones, Dan, you're eyeing up? Maybe another card or anything else maybe you can bet on, find a little value on? Any, anything else you got? You know, this is not a guarantee, but I will tell you, you know, what my sights are set on, gentlemen. Yeah. So there's this, there's this guy named Andre Feely I'm a big fan of. You know, he brings the kind of entertainment the fans like to see. But... He's constantly, when he wins fights, he only wins by, like, split decisions. And he, he's a guy that, he's as experienced as they get, but he can lose to newcomers. I've seen him get starched by newcomers. I've seen him lose to guys he has no business losing to. So he's taking on this Brazilian cat named Lucas Almeida. Lucas is a big-time banger. And, you know, Lucas is the underdog in this spot. We're going to continue fading Andre Feely. Look, every single fight you fade Andre Feely, you're going to come out profitable. I don't know if Lucas is going to win this for us or not, but what I do know is we're going back to the well once again, and we're fading Andre Feely. So it's going to be Lucas Almeida here at Underdog Odds. Love it. Uh, Dan, before I let you go, I want you to put it out there. Uh, how can people consume all your amazing stuff for MMA? What do you got uh, out there? Well, firstly, gentlemen, you know it's always a pleasure being on here with you guys. We missed man, you. We know, love you. I know it's been what a month or two and it feels like a lifetime. So, you know, just being back on here with you guys and all the faithful in Wisconsin. I I don't know if I told you guys, my brother moved to Wisconsin. Where'd he move to? Oh man. It's around Milwaukee, but it's not actually Milwaukee. I forget the name of the actual place. Well, if you're you're ever up here, uh, swing through Madison, maybe we'll come meet you in Milwaukee. We'll party together, dude. Um, Brazilian steak on me. Oh, for sure. It's on. I appreciate that. It's on the outskirts of Milwaukee. So, Definitely. Maybe uh, next week I, I, I'll go visit and i hit you guys up. But, yeah, you know, it's always a pleasure, man, um, to everybody listening. Thank you guys as well. I'm on Twitter at Best Fight Picks, and then my show, Half the Battle, is available anywhere podcasts are found, including YouTube. Just type in Half the Battle. Thank you guys again. Dan, you're too kind, man. Have a great weekend. And, um, God, I'm, I'm hungry for steak now, dude. I think I'm going to do it in your honor. We actually have a Brazilian steakhouse here in Madison, so I think I'll have to, we'll have to go dabble. Dan, you're a man, brother. Much love. Take care, gentlemen. Thank See you again. Yeah. Brody, we got to get you on the Brazilian steak, bro.